Hey, what's going on, you filthy animals? Welcome back to another episode of the Wall Street Junkie Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Luke Muller. This episode, we had two special guests on. You've heard them before, Jacob Brown and Michael Harris. All three of us know each other uh, back uh, during our days at Texas A&M, so I decided to bring them all on on one episode and just, just talk finances, talk the markets, talk current events, you name it. And I think we're going to continue to do this in the future. Uh, I love these guys. They're easy to talk to. They're fun to talk to. And I hope you guys really enjoy this episode. But without further ado, uh, before we get into that, let me go over some housekeeping items. First of all, let me just say podcast episodes are going to be a little slow trickling in for the next week or two. I'm sure some of you guys know I'm heading to Barbados for a week. I'm taking a much needed vacation. I'm heading out there, but I'll be back. I'll release content on Instagram and in my Twitter and TikTok. But as far as podcasts are concerned, I don't think so. That's why I'm really trying to drop a couple more that I've been saving and archiving and see if I can't get out a few more podcasts before I leave on Friday. So I have that going on, but just bear with me. Also, there's some more news coming. There, I am involved in so many different things. You guys know about the app. You guys know about this and that. There's a new thing that came across my desk, Power of the Network. So many people have been asking me for financial advice, investment advice. And, and you guys know I used to work in that space. But as far as licenses are concerned, I can't actually give out financial advice, right? I cannot do that because I am not licensed. I don't ha- I'm not I have no regulatory structure that I can hold my hat under. Um I I think that is going to change and I think it is going to change quick. It's not something that I thought was going to happen for some time. Um and and by no means am am I going to be working per se um back in corporate America. It's going to be kind of my own thing. I'm still working through the ins and outs of it, but I think there's going to be a structure in place in the, in the coming months, maybe in the next year where I I think I'm going to be able to offer a slew of different products and other advice for you guys. Um, and you guys can trust uh, that I am accountable to a regulatory structure. So that's coming down the pipe. I'm still going to stay in California, trust me. But I just thought I'd let you guys know that's in the works. I'm still banging it out. So we'll see how that how that shakes out. What else do I got on the list? Oh, yeah, credit card hacking. There's a new app, and I, I, I've been privileged to be on the beta, and I'm doing a couple of promotions on it. I've been messing around with this app, and I'll be talking more about it on future podcasts and on my Instagram as well. But this this new app, this credit card hacking app, go to my Instagram, check it out. Um, it's called Card Curator. And I'll be dropping more information on it um, in the coming podcasts and things of that nature. But that's a cool app to really kind of prioritize your spending of your credit card points and really optimize how you view credit card hacking. Great tool. I'm excited to work with Card Curator in the future, fantastic. Also, you guys know I'm a real estate agent. I recently switched my license temporarily to EXP. It just kind of made sense as I build my brand, I build awareness. With that being said, you guys know I'm a real one. You know I'm a real estate investor. You know I'm in the market. If you know anybody 
who's looking for real estate. If it's in California, great. You can work directly with me. Come my way or refer my way. And I'll hook you up with a, uh, a I have a referral program going on. And um, DM me details for it. Shoot me a message and and I'll tell you what those details look like and the rewards that you get for referring business to me that ends up in a close. And if it's out of state, still refer my way and I'll do what I can. And if it ends up with a close and I get a uh, referral fee out of it, then um, there's definitely some sort of referral program that I'll be doing for out of state referrals as well. So just wanted to drop that in. If you're looking for real estate if somebody you know is looking for real estate, I've talked about it a lot. I still think the economics and the fundamentals behind real estate are strong. So if you're looking to buy a home and you're waiting for the market to correct, I think that's a fool's bet and I'll tell you why. If you can afford it now, don't necessarily, especially if you're a first time home buyer, you don't necessarily have to view it as an investment. You have to view it more as an affordable way to, to fix your living expenses because rent is only going to go up from here. We've seen that. Rent has outpaced in my area more than actually um, the appreciation of home values. So take that with a grain of salt, but just understand um, that part of you buying a home is you get to cap your living expenses. Also, look, if you can afford it now and you're really not stretching your budget, emphasis on for affording it now, and you can't afford it, then I think now is as good a time to buy as ever. Uh, that's just my opinion. Um, you know, when I bought my home last year, people thought I was crazy. Honestly, I thought I bought at the top of the market last year. I really did. But for me, it didn't really matter because I knew my strategy going into it. I was going to be a long-term holder in real estate. Always am. It's a cash-flowing asset. It's a no-brainer for me. And, and look where I'm at. Um, a year later, I'm in a pretty decent position. So that's just my pitch to you guys. Um, I know that was a long ramble, but without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I think once on the lifeguard stand, I need to. <laughs> well, I just want to thank you gentlemen for your service. <laughs> yes. Hey, any, anything for, uh, for keeping people safe, man. Fuck yeah, that's right. Especially when they're Olympic grade swimmers in the swimming pool. It's like, listen, like sure. they are literally like 150 pounds of 100% muscle, yeah. and it's going to take every fiber of my being to rescue those people. Dude, it was very humiliating watching them swim. It's just like, oh, yeah. damn. Remember they would swim with the buckets? Oh, yeah, right. dude, it's crazy. It was like, what yeah, in the world? It was, it was absolutely nuts. Anyway. Well, gentlemen, I have, for you guys listening into the podcast, I have two special guests. You guys heard of them before. They've been on the podcast each by themselves. So I have Michael Harris and Jacob Brown on with me. We go way back. We we all kind of know each other through our circles from A and M. So you guys each want to introduce yourselves again, Michael? How about you go first? When, once you're done yeah, kissing your y'all. Uh, <laughs> hey, we got we got a Draco Harris here as well, uh, with a K, not a C. <laughs> that was his name when I adopted him. I don't know why. There's no C, but I'm all right with it. But yeah. Uh, my name is Michael Harris. I work for Iron Oak Wealth uh, out in Austin, Texas. Uh, we really have three strategies that we manage. We have an innovation strategy, a, a global core, and then a strategic income. And I have an active hand in all three of those. So, so you're the next Kathy Woods, right? Is that is that what uh, I'm here? <laughs> uh, if I can be positive for the year and be Kathy Wood, yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> mind managing a 
I mean, I don't even know how much money's in that ETF right now, but yeah, I'd be all right with it. Yeah. Well, what about you, Jacob? Let's. Uh, I know you pitched it, but just introduce yourself again because I've got a lot new, uh, a lot more followers now. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, Jacob Brown, um, you know, Josh and I kind of go. Oh, well, I mean, he already mentioned we kind of go back to our our days at A and M. But uh, you know, I'm really just a guy who likes learning about investing, and uh, you know, I don't really, wor- I don't work in the finance world or work in the managing management consultant world. But um, you know always trying to uh, be a good steward of my money and invest and uh, see what happens. So it's been, it's been great being able to come on the podcast, but you know, Josh, I got to say, I was getting worried for a bit because you were having all these big shot influencers on the, on the program. And I felt like I wasn't really up to snuff there, you know, so I I was kind of, it was going radio silent. You know, I got a, I got a very small fan club about three or four people who, uh, They've been wondering what's going on and why 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 can't I get back in the rotation? So you know, I got to give a I got to give a shout out to a few few of my fans, a couple fans in uh, Baldwin County, Alabama. Yeah. Oh, and, Alabama! Uh, Let's go! And, uh, and out on an island in the uh, Puget Sound out there near Seattle. So you know th- those are some of my my strongest fans. Uh, but dude, it's great! It's great to be talking to to the experts in the field and happy to. Oh, uh, provide some provide some average joe commentary and uh get some good discussion going here yeah that's what i'm talking about you know yeah the the podcast has been it slowed down a little bit because i got really active on like the instagram tiktok thing really i found a lot more just ability there's a niche there man there's a market there and so i found that was a good way to draw into my podcast i still do them um but i needed to have you guys on and and trust me uh the big shots i've had i still enjoy you guys and I think you guys have just as much value to add, um, even with these these hot shots. And honestly, some of these hot shots I've had, I mean, I won't talk bad, but you know how it goes. Look, it is what it is. Hey, it's, anyways, good, it's good stuff, man. It's yeah. good stuff. Well, anyways, okay. So I my fr- and you guys know about this. What's going on with the Fed? I, I want to know what's going on going on with Daddy. Right? I mean, the last year daddy's been saying look lower for longer and all of a sudden he's flipped the 180 i, I guess i'll go to you michael just because you're on you're on an institutional desk what what is what are you seeing what's your firm's take on it or what's your take on it yeah so fed minutes came out uh yesterday right and was it tuesday wednesday, wednesday yeah, yesterday. Right? yeah 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 yesterday. I've been preparing for a presentation all week and uh, finally got to do it today. So I was getting caught up uh, this afternoon uh, here and there. But yeah, it looks like uh, rates are going to be raised a little bit faster. Um, and we were looking at an article from the New York Times. I think the Federal Open Market Committee kept interest rates near zero and maintained. There's someone we can edit out. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah, we're going to raise rates a little bit faster. And, uh, Fed Powell was talking about how economic recovery is going to be a little bit quicker than they anticipated because vaccines have been so effective. And so what does that mean? Is that it's, uh, it's basically going to cost you a little bit more money to borrow money long term. And so um, something that I'm looking out for and what we are collectively kind of thinking is those companies that are in a lot of debt, uh, if it is a, it's a variable interest rate, oh, that's going to be really tough. Really, really tough, and so uh, really looking at balance sheets. And I think we, we probably discussed this a little bit last time I was on, Josh. But yeah, um, 
we're really going to start looking at companies that have strong balance sheets that interest rates aren't going to affect too, too much. Um, looking at those, especially, I mean, you can look, look at SPAC deals right now. There aren't a ton of SPAC deals that are profitable, right? Yeah. Uh, a lot of the companies that they're acquiring through those special acquisition mergers are not going to be profitable for, you know, three to four years, some, some even longer than that. And so, um, kind of staying away from things like that. Uh, granted, if you are going to invest in something like that, I, I don't recommend investing, but I recommend trading in it. And the difference between the two, I'll just define it now. Investing is going to be exactly what Jacob's doing, holding long-term and forever. Same thing with Josh, for the most part. I think yeah. you trade a little bit. You might secretly trade just no, a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. No. Hell no. I will never so, admit to that. You know, you, so, you know this. You know this guy's got some Dogecoin, man. Yeah, so we know. About. You know, you know he does. He's got to <laughs> stay relevant. He's got to stay relevant. Right. You know, he can't um, just be all high and mighty. Come on, that's right. Yeah, so, oh shit! Uh, Don't tell everyone, man. Come on now. <laughs> so investing, you're holding for long term. Yeah. Uh, if you're trading, you're buying something, and then you have a price point that no matter what happens, you're getting out at that price point. So. Um, we're looking at more investments for the long term rather than just you know, trading here and there. Okay. That's a good take. What, uh, so it's, it's, what do they say? Two rate hikes by the end of 23. Is that what they're saying? Yeah, it looks that way. And, uh, some fed, um, some people were, were saying that it might be uh, a little bit higher. Uh, it looks like they have previous projections where the Fed stands on future interest rates. I, we can link this. Uh, yeah, this article in the in the uh, issue, but yeah, looks that way. So here's the thing that I'm I'm struggling with. It's yeah. like they come out with this announcement, and I mean we're talking 18 months later. There's going to be a rate increase. Like this is not anything that's going to happen in the near future. Like this is not something that's going to happen in 2021 or 2022 so i i it's to me it's all the hubbub about it is a little i don't know it's just kind of i mean i get it yeah rates rates will in they're going to increase at some point uh but it's literally not anytime soon so that really what they haven't done anything you know there's inflation that's happening right now uh whether that is uh, transitory and caused by the base effect and all that good stuff. We'll see. I think at the end of Q3, if we don't see that inflation tapering, I think there are going to be some uh, some some concerns in, in the market. So that's kind of that was just something I was thinking about. It's like, man, this is 18 months away. They they aren't so they they effectively said we're not doing anything today. We're not doing anything next year. Right. Um, so I don't know. I still see inflation as a risk, um, you know, whether or not it's going to be you know manageable inflation or it's going to take off to uh, a more dangerous level. We'll see. But I think I think at the end of this quarter uh, that that'll give us some some more insight there. Yeah, I I've been looking. I've been reading a lot about in the past. You know you. Typically, like the rates of change of inflation are typically transitory, right? But what ends up happening is there it, it does plateau and it, it the prices do make new highs. So like the prices themselves stick, but the 
the rates of change are somewhat transitory, if that makes sense. So it'll be curious. Yeah, so yeah. Are you, uh, you think these, uh, are, are inflation is going to be transitory for the time being, Josh, or do you, do you think it's going to be long-term? Or we're going to see- uh, I think the rates of change are going to, um, I think they're going to um, come down quicker than people think. Because I don't know, when I looked at the inflation data, I mean, when it came out, when did it come out? Last week? Is that when it came out? Um, yeah, I, believe that I think uh, I think there's like just a lot of headline, and I talked about this. I think there's just a lot of headline scare, and I, I don't know. I I just think people have sh shown themselves to just trade off the headlines, and I mean, inflation's an issue, but you're also comparing to the hole that we were in last year. So when you saw that like five percent number. It looked really bad, but when you started to break the numbers down, right. I wasn't as worried, right? When I'm seeing like a third used car sales uh, and then another third are kind of one-offs, I'm just, the things I really cared about were like the energy prices and then the groceries. Those were actually down month over month. So to me, I'm still treading carefully. And I think it's honestly, it's too early to tell to just throw the flags up unless, and there's a large portion of people that I think are, I don't want to say conspiracy theorists, but there's a lot of people that don't trust the Fed anymore. And so there's that right. going on, too. It, it's like a really weird dichotomy. Um, it's well, kind of transcended from politics to here now where people don't even trust the the Fed, you know? I don't know. What do you think, Jerry? So Unpack here, that. Here, here's a question around, you know, those, those raising prices. And we yeah. mentioned... You know, the energy prices to me is not, uh, again, I haven't looked at any detailed numbers on anything here, but yeah. to me, it makes sense that energy prices have increased because, you know, oil literally traded at negative, you know, whatever a barrel. Right. And there's all this pent up demand, right? So demand for energy is increasing as the economy is starting back up. Yeah. Um, for some of these other uh, items where we're seeing inflation, uh, largely due to uh, the chip shortage that's happening. So that's causing cars to increase in price, uh, used cars to increase in price very dramatically. Yep. Um, and, you know, the same thing with, with some uh, food items. I wonder if, I wonder if those, if it's, mostly supply chain related that's driving the inflation yeah. it's some other factor or is it truly something in the economy that is uh you know whether it's the the spending the federal government spending or uh yeah like the cost of goods just 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 going up so i don't know i've got a couple of hedges in my portfolio i probably got in a little late on them to be honest but um just got about like a two and a half percent exposure in a materials index and a consumer staples index. Um, yeah. Just thinking about adding in a oil or kind of an energy index there to round it out. But um, I don't know. We'll see. I guess my here's I'm kind of changing topics here a bit, but I think the larger concern to me is not necessarily the inflation, but it's the fact that Today, there are seven and a half million less jobs than there were in February of 2020. Yeah. So the pre-pandemic job uh, numbers, we have not surpassed that. We've got, we got a large hole to build out of. Yet, you know, the S&P 500, I <laughs> believe, is trading 
at 25% higher than the February 2020 high. Mm -hmm. So it's like something's not matching up, obviously. So at what point something's got to correct? We either have to get a lot more jobs a lot quicker, or I think there is going to be a price correction in the market, especially if that inflation keeps up past Q3. Yeah, I don't, so know. I don't know. That's that's just my thoughts there. I just don't think it can all just keep going up, um, especially when the jobs, just the number of jobs that are out there, are not what uh, are, are are way less than we had pre-pandemic, right? Yeah, yeah. And and even even today, I think there was some uh, last week's unemployment or jobless claim numbers came out, and they were way higher than expected. So yeah. I think the it's still un it's still very uncertain where we are from the strength of the economy in terms of jobs. Sure. So that's the thing I think is going to be uh, an indicator we need to watch out for in the future, uh, how fast we're able to climb out of that hole. I think I saw something, you know, last month when it was talking about the jobs report, and it was like, oh, we'll, we'll get to our pre-pandemic high. It's like, we're 18 months to recover all that i mean that's kind of like that's nuts i don't know right. at least at the rate the the rates of the jobs and the rates of where we see equity prices going it doesn't it doesn't match up in my opinion but i don't know i don't know what's your take on that michael yeah on uh unemployment i, I think the market traditionally will try to project 12 to 18 months in advance and so i think with everything happening and, and biden will eventually get something passed with the economy. Uh, it's supposed to be some sort of stimulus, right? Uh, we can speculate on that as much as we want. And, you know, one of these days, something's going to get passed. And so I think the market's already factoring that in. Um, like you were saying, though, I, I do think there will be, actually, I won't say there will be, but I will say I would not be surprised to see a correction this year where the market drops about 10% uh, off of highs because, it's anticipating, it's anticipating, it's anticipating. If, and just yeah. like you were saying, like at, at what point does it say, kind of realize, hey, um, things aren't always as they seem. We're going to take some of those gains back and, um, the, you know, they'll, they'll come down and, and eventually balance itself out. And do you believe in uh, efficient market theory? Yeah. Right? The market's already, market's going to price it in um, whenever it, it feels like it's it's necessary to do so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not something I necessarily subscribe to myself, uh, given the way that we uh, manage investments here. But um, still, um, yeah, the market the market will let you know um, if things aren't as great as they seem. So, yeah. but it does sound yeah. like Jacob. Jacob sounds like you're you're making a few uh, active trades in your portfolio. Over hey, there. you freaking day would, trader! What the hell? <laughs> I would call that. Uh, I would like to call it. Risk management and portfolio allocation. Yeah, yeah no, so, no, that's okay. That's a tactical allocation. I, I respect yeah. it. Yeah, yeah so. I, I agree. I, I don't think the rotation to growth is there yet. I, I am not there yet. I'm, I don't see it. I, I don't see it. Um, well, at all. Well, you know, it was interesting. Uh, I saw Kathy Wood was. I forget who she was being interviewed by, but she. Man, she just doubles down like every time she gets and, someone asks. Every every single time, she is fearless. Like what? I, um, I love watching her interviews because no matter what somebody like gives to her, um, she will always like double down on it. 
And she's saying she's so convinced that what she's doing is correct. And I absolutely love it. I think the best interview in the world would be Jim Cramer and Kathy Woods in one room. I know one of them is not walking out alive, but like, dude, best, one of the best interviews so, you've ever yeah. seen. <laughs> so uh, what she was talking about, she was saying, um, she was talking about inflation and talking about, you know, consumer staples. And um, she said that, you know, there's been uh, throughout the pandemic, a purchase, a large increase in purchases of consumer staples, whether that be um, durable goods or consumables. Yeah. But that that any durable purchases people have this of with means have decided to make them during the pandemic and then consumer goods purchases or um, consumables consumers have been stocking up on. So she was saying that the the staples piece of the economy is actually going like they she's saying they peaked because everyone's already stocked up on the toilet paper and the whatever else have you that they need for their household goods and that you know that washing machine purchase they were going to make or refrigerator purchase they were going to make in 2022 or 2021 they decided to do that in 2020 while they were remodeling their kitchen so she was predicting that those kind of companies would see a dip. Those traditional kind of blue chip value plays would see a dip and that there'd be a return to growth. And I, you know, she, she just listened to her talk. I was like, dang, I kind of believe her, but I don't like, I I'm, I'm skeptical because of really the underlying economic strength as opposed to, I mean, I think her argument is sound uh, if we had more jobs, I would agree with her. But we, the reality is, we just don't have the jobs level, I think, to support a you know drastic rebound back to growth. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm still staying in know. my bank stocks. I'm sticking to my bank stocks, and I'm going heavy. I'm doubling down on yeah. real estate. I'm doubling down. Yeah. Hey, let's kind of crush the past few days, have though, haven't they? What? I have a bank's been crushed the past few days. I saw Citigroup is down. Yep. Quite a bit. Yep. They've been getting crushed. Let me pull up JP Morgan. That's my big bank holding. Mm. Hey, Josh, what have been uh, what have been some of your your winners these past couple weeks? Uh, since I mean, since we've last talked, I know that's been a while, but I'm curious to know what's been doing good for you. Single family REITs have been. Okay. Yeah. Like NLI. Are you in that one? I'm in AMH and. Uh, AMH and then um, INVH, is that the other one? Yeah, A Invitation Homes in America for rent. Oh, you're uh, you're you're getting in on uh, BlackRock, sn snatching up all those homes. I see you. I, I see. I, I know about Invitation Homes, bro. Yeah, I know about I, them. I I've been talking about them, and I, I and I was telling I've been talking about single family forever, and they're yeah. up year to date, twenty five to thirty percent, both those REITs. Yeah, that's nuts. Um, yeah, it's well, I, it's a no brainer just, to me. Yeah, I just sent an article in the chat. We don't have to. We won't discuss it in detail here, but it was talking about BlackRock buying up the homes, mm -hmm. uh, single family homes. But pretty much, it was saying that it doesn't matter because apparently most of the homes they're buying are kind of uh, ones that need a lot of repair and aren't. It's like. The group of homes that would be purchased by investors, not necessarily, you know, the the mom and dad and two kids right. looking to buy their first starter home. So that was sort of the the TLDR on that that article, but still interesting. Um, 
an interesting phenomenon nonetheless. Yeah, you know, yeah. the thing I'm seeing is, I, I and most people don't pay attention to this, new home sales data came out, I think, a week or so ago <clears throat> for May. Um, new home sales have dropped 82% year over year, right? And uh, it's not a demand problem, clearly, right? Because housing, there's yeah. a housing shortage, so it's not a demand issue. Um, it's clearly a supply problem, and it's builders are just not building enough. And what people got to understand is builders aren't building enough because they can't. They're building. They're not building enough because they're scared, and they're they're profitable yeah. right now, and they don't want to overextend themselves. It happened. There was a little scare in 2018, and in 08, 09, builders lost their freaking ass. Right. So it's like, yeah. I, for me, I don't see single families slowing up. I, I really don't. I'm seeing it in my area. My home that I'm in has a. I ran the numbers. It appreciated thirty three freaking percent. Wow! In one year, thirty three percent, and that's just Are appreciation. You? That's not even the total return when you consider, you know, the um, the depreciation, you, the rent. Uh, yeah, it just blows my mind. Are you gonna cash out refi? Uh yeah, I am absolutely. Absolutely, I nice. am, dude. That's like a yeah. That's what, it's a hundred. I got a hundred and ten grand worth of equity. What are you gonna do with that money? Buy another home and move turn into up, it. Turn up. Move into it and house hack it. He's gonna put it all in Doge. Is actually actually what okay. Yes. Doing. Yep. You yeah. got no, no. It's dude. It's not Dogecoin anymore, man. It's Asscoin and Shitcoin. Oh my god, dude! Come on, man. I can't. I can't. Have, or AMC, <laughs> right? What about AMC? What about I don't like talking about it. What you about AMC? You, no, no, no. You You're love talking about it. it well, it, it gets like the it. hype. You love it. I do. You here's, love it. <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing. I actually do want to talk about with that. Okay. Uh, which I, I, and not so much on the, you know, getting into the stock and it running up and all that stuff. But I think their CEO is a genius. Um, by doing that, like. I, I don't know what it was. It was some portal that he launched or like different perks the that he investor has connect. for yeah. investors. Yes. Yeah. Like that is genius. That is groundbreaking. That is genius. Like it imagine, is. It is. Um, I don't know, like <laughs> just think of some other, think of some other company that, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe Apple wouldn't probably wouldn't do it just because they're such a strong company. But think of like another company out there, a retailer or whatever, saying like hey if you own you know at least 100 shares of our stock like we're gonna give you a two percent discount or like you get david buster david david busters yeah like yeah exactly like you'll get this perk like we really want to reward our shareholders like it would be really an interesting kind of i don't know investor relations sort of marketing ploy uh to roll out i don't know i just thought i just thought that was a pretty cool uh it was it was pretty cool like he really seized the moment right like with gamestop they're like i mean i don't follow all of it so i'm sure their board of directors and ceo are like trying to say stuff to keep the hype up but like the amc ceo he really was like oh i know exactly what to do and then like 100 he did that and you right. know everyone's like really rallied around them mm -hmm. and really rallied around the company and so they, they also were able to use some of that stock purchase and um, I'm just using he uses that run up to I think they refinanced their debt, right, Josh? Yeah, yeah, they did. And then they were able to purchase other movie theaters too, because I mean, movies, movie theaters can't survive the pandemic, and so if AMC has a little yeah. money, 
The people that were really person. smart are the ones. I mean, you could say. I mean, the people that gambled and get AMC stock, yeah, whatever. But I think the real winners are the ones that bought the debt. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I had some people who bought some of their corporate bonds back in November. They bought wow. it for pennies on the dollar. And, you know, with their recent upgrade um, from absolutely the value. Yeah. It just, they crushed it. Like 800% return on some of their junk bonds. Jeez. Um, speaking of, to, uh, it's kind of, again, taking us on another tangent here, but did you know, fun fact, uh, Tesla is not the largest corporate owner of Bitcoin. Did y'all know that? No, who is? is Micro, MicroStrategy. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal the other day. I thought that was super interesting. But yeah, that guy, he went... He went all in like way earlier than mm. Musk did. And it was just fascinating reading it. Like the quote, the quote that he had in the paper, it was like, you know, to most people who don't understand the blockchain and Bitcoin, this would sound insane to them, but you just have to really understand the technology. It was like, like he was, a, he was like injecting the Bitcoin into his veins. It was, uh, it was impressive how much. Uh, of a believer he was so we'll see how that turns out for them but to them i think they just thought it was a better store of capital so i don't know fair enough that, that could be a, a valid argument for the time being i want to know what the what is your thoughts on freaking elon musk is he going off the rails i mean what the hell is he doing is he pumping bitcoin is that what he's doing what do you think I think well i don't know Michael, why don't you talk first? Yeah, Michael. I can get some expertise. Is he going to get slapped hard? I mean, I feel like he's people aren't taking him serious anymore. He's like he's like another Trump. He's just doing his own yeah, thing. Yeah, I, uh, I listened to an interesting podcast the other day where um, Elon Musk does claim to be, like, one of the claims, maybe he doesn't say it out loud, but I think people universally think he founded PayPal, and he didn't. People think he founded Tesla by himself, and it's like, no, he actually bought Tesla from some other people. And so a lot of a lot of his success, and don't get me wrong, he is far smarter than I will ever be. Um, he's, he's an alien, too, so he's, yeah, not, he's, he's not from this planet. He's just a monster with his mind. But, right. um, yeah, I think there are a lot of Elon Musk fanboys or fangirls out there in the world, and whatever he says... It is gold, and uh, clearly I think that's just not the case. Yeah. I, people might have had a really good run up, and he might have made them a lot of money last year. But I think reality is really trying, really starting to set in with Tesla. Uh, and, and granted, I think they are a good company if they are able to do what they say they're going to do with Starlink and all this other stuff. Like, you know, they're going to be a huge company. But right now, I. Frankly, I'm thinking about like shaving some of uh, Tesla out of our play. Um, not not all the way. No, yeah, yeah. Really? Our position down just a little bit. Yeah, uh, okay. it's just kind of sat. It's kind of sat there for a little bit, and uh, you look at the financials a little bit, and it's yeah, looks good. So, but they they are having some troubles, uh, and things aren't running as smoothly as they anticipated, um, which happened with the company. But um, yeah, Elon Musk as a whole, I think he's a genius. Obviously, he's a lot smarter than I am, but, um, you know, I, I think the I, I, 
people are just starting to realize that he's human rather than everything that he says is is gold. And I think anytime you start realizing that one of your heroes or a, a demigod like figure, especially in the financial world, is human, that's a good wake up call for the the general population as a whole. Yeah. 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 Wonderfully I, put. That was elegant. Yeah. That is great. Uh, I don't know if I can follow that up, but I will say, <laughs> I will say that I, I think he, um, I, I really think it's just like him building up the cult of personality around mm -hmm. him, which mm -hmm. also props up the stock price. Yeah. And I think that any really sane level-headed person looking at that company and coming up with a valuation, they just right. don't get anything close to what it's currently valued at. Right. Um, not saying Tesla is going to, you know, go bankrupt or not be around for, you know, another 15, 20 years. I think they're, they're probably a, a, a generational company of some type, yeah. but I just think the valuation just does not warrant, um, what what it's currently at, and and I will say, I, I think it's become clear they're they're getting some pretty fierce competition in the EV market. Uh, you know, we just saw. I mean, I think now Ford will probably beat them to the punch on the electric trucks. So you know, uh, I think the Cybertruck's going to be delayed a little bit. Ford's got the electric truck coming out. Ford also has a hybrid truck coming out. I don't know if you all saw that, the uh, Ford Maverick. I think that's right. going to be huge in the auto space, and even though it's yeah. not electric. But, hey, a truck that gets you 40 miles to the gallon and kind of caters to, um, you know, that same market segment as right. the folks buying, like, Toyota Tundras or whatever. Like, yeah. I, and guess what? It costs twenty to $25,000 and not the, you know, whatever, 47000 that the, the Cybertruck costs or, you know, whatnot. Yeah. So, um, I just think that there's there the it's really starting to reality is going to start to set in here with Tesla yeah. and these investors who just you know are constantly buying you know whatever just posting these memes and telling everyone to buy the dip. It's like that's, that's scary, man. Yeah, it's I I just it's not worth it to be that emotionally invested into a stock because uh, you're probably going to get burned. And I was telling people from the beginning, Tesla was trading like a tech company, right? I mean, it was trading like a tech company yeah. in 2020. You don't but understand. I, it is a tech company, Josh. Yeah, but, it but, it, but it's not, though, because the no. problem is with no, a tech exactly. company, it's, it's it's hard because it, it can't really, over the long term, trade like a tech company because at the end of the day, it sells automotive. And with automotive, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't so. matter if you get there first. In tech, if you get there first, you can scale it easier. Problem with automotive is you need the economies of scale, right? And you have the big time auto manufacturers. They have the economies of scale already. They have it, you know? And so for me, yeah, I just, I could never get behind Tesla, not the way it was trading in 2020. And I still wouldn't. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't get into it. Not as a lot of Son, me personally, I own, I own a little bit of Tesla. It's not a huge portion of my portfolio, but yeah. So I have to, you know, say that for compliance. Is it whatever, under ten percent? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a few positions that aren't, but like whatever. Yolo, um, man, to the moon. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. just like AMC and GameStop. It's not like a huge deal, right? <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs>
right. have to disclose. I don't know. I don't own any AMC games. So. Okay. Good. Um, but I think also too something to think about is whenever you look up valuations of a company. Yeah. And you get ranges between like one hundred dollars and like fifteen hundred, and then I think Kathy Wood has one at like three thousand. Yes, she does. She loves Tesla, and you listen to her; she's fully convinced herself that that Tesla is the future. And props to her. I mean, she called it. She made a lot of money on it last year. Sure. Yeah. You all you can do is congratulate her. That's great. Um, but you also have a guy like Michael Burry who honestly can stay off Twitter. You should stay on Twitter. No, so no. Dude, that, that guy is straight fire on Twitter, man. Yeah. He's back on. He's back on, by the way. I don't know if you yeah. knew that. Wait, why was he yeah. off? He, he deleted Dude, the SEC was coming after him, man. Why? They, they did not like what he was saying about inflation. They were, like, coming in and trying to – he was calling out the Fed. He was calling out everybody. And then he was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to delete my account. So he, like, <laughs> deactivates his account. But then he came back on, and he's been he's been spitting some 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 truth bombs on on Twitter, man. I, I just AK. I don't Cassandra, think he's on Twitter Cassandra. anymore, man. He's not on Twitter. No, he is. is Michael he? J. Burry, aka Cassandra. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh yeah. Okay. Sorry. Keep going. Uh, right, yeah. I, I interrupted. Oh, he is. Yeah, yeah. There it is. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, something Jacob is very passionate about, is Michael Burry and Tesla. Apparently, yes. And by the way, sorry, just, just for the record, Tesla's not a tech company. Hey, Josh, I don't know if you picked up on me just trying to I, feed I, you some bait there. But, I understand. Okay, all right, good. Oh, absolutely. Just for the, for the listeners. Yeah. Right. I think also, too, people don't realize with an automotive company, the amount of capital required in order to produce is exceptionally higher than a tech company. Because if you if you preach it like a tech company, yeah. you can you can justify the debt because as soon as you make it, your product starts selling. 100%. It's really easy to start catching up. Yes. Uh, that's, that's why companies like Microsoft, Google, even Apple, you can make a case that Apple's not necessarily a tech company. They do consumer goods. Sure. Did you, side note, did you see the, the amount of money they make off of like iPads and AirPods. No, what? Uh uh-uh. uh. Oh, it's it's like I think they made like a hundred. No, not a hundred billion. They they made more off of AirPods and uh, iPads last year than some companies did in like their whole books. Like That's awesome. Some, That's so insane. Oh, you know yeah. what? So I'm I'm pulling it up right now. How about that? Because I have the data up. So yeah. let's see here. Um, fiscal year. Let's do. Q2. Yeah. FY21 Q2. Let's do the breakdown. iPhone, 47.93 billion Q2 for them. iPad, 7.8 billion. Their Mac, 9.1 billion. Holy shit. Yeah. So you can make the <laughs> argument that they're a consumer's good. Yeah. 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 But. Um, we won't we won't talk about that. But uh, like I was saying, with a, a tech or like a startup, it's going to be really capital intensive at the beginning. You're probably going to be investing more in um, the personality and the people who are running the company rather than the actual product. Or it could be, I would say it's about 50-50 of both. Sorry, I misspoke there. Um, but you need a good leader who's going to be a visionary. Then you also need an innovative product. 
And then once that product makes it, it's really easy to start making profit hand over fist compared to an automotive company where you have this great idea of um, you're going to make a ton, ton of mistakes. Like the Apple car, not super bullish on it because it, it costs a lot of money in order to manufacture. So a, que uh, a question on that. Is that an actual thing or is this a spec? Is that speculation? That they're gonna make a car because I, I, I it's like, not been it's like not been announced like real thing, but it's not been announced, right? Mm -hmm. Like Tim Cook has not gotten out on the stage, and they've drawn the curtain back, and they say, "Here's the Apple Car." I don't know. I feel like I saw something. Mm -hmm. I thought yeah, it not was a whole lot. I, Maybe not. But. Yeah, not a whole lot. I just googled it. Because Google knows okay. everything, right? It, it, I don't see a whole lot, so we could be wrong, but I don't think there's a lot of traction on it right now. Yeah. Cool. Well, you, you know, you bring That's up a, good a great point. There, Got it. You, you bring up a great point, Michael, just around the amount of investment needed for a lot of these car companies. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there was another yep. there's another EV startup that I'm sure has a lot of a lot of fanboy investors or fangirl investors at uh, at least until recently. Was Lordstown Motors? I don't know if you all heard what happened with them. You talking about Lucid or no Lordstown Motors? No uh, tick, ticker symbol Ride. <laughs> oh Jesus! Okay, keep going. Um, so, it, well, essentially, what happened was they bought a old an old GM plant out in Ohio in Lordstown, Ohio, and uh, GM gave it to them in exchange for ownership in the company or you know partial ownership and uh yeah like really they just they just flopped you know they they and really it was a lot of um there was some speculation of propping up the reservation numbers ah. and that's i from what i've re been reading that's something that a lot of these pre-manufacturing stage pre-production stage ev companies there's a lot of like scandal behind at times where it's like, you know, there's some sketch LLC who made an order for 10,000 cars when really they have no need for those cars. Right. And so there's, it's, it's all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think the CEO and CFO just stepped down. Um, so, you know, it's very, and the, they, they don't have enough money to, to run production. They were hoping to go to production in the fall and it's not happening. So, you know, there's a ton of these companies out there that, you know, a lot of these EV guys get into and they ride a couple of these spikes in the valuation. But the reality is they just haven't sold, uh, you know, they haven't sold any cars. What was the other one? Classic that... value trap when you buy the dip on these. Because I see a yeah, lot of people absolutely. buy the dip on, on these. It's like, bad idea. If you don't know what the value yeah. trap is, go Google that one. Yeah, and... Yeah, I think it's just, I don't know. It's just something to keep in mind when you're investing in these EV companies. And what was the other, there was some other truck company that uh, was supposed to get that um, contract with the, yeah, Workforce. Mm. They were supposed to get the contract with the uh, Postal Service, right? Yeah, yeah so Workforce had a, uh, like a 25, 30% run up. Uh oh, yeah, you were big on that one when we had our podcast in January, right? Oh. I don't want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> oh, shit. And uh -oh. It, dropped, it dropped like 50% in one day. Oh, my God, so it did. Much. Yeah. But uh, there was pushback from Democratic uh, congressmen. Yeah. Congresswoman, whatever. 
Um, and they were saying that the company that they decided to go with, uh, they weren't electric or green enough. And so I think it might still be in the works, but I, I'm not holding out any hope on workhorse. I know Kathy Wood bought some on the dip of that, but long-term, they have a few patents, but uh, nothing that's like super impressive about that company. Yeah. I think uh, I, I'm reading, I think it's a short squeeze opportunity for you filthy animals out there. I, I, I follow and I, I hate chasing short squeezes. I won't, but I like, like just paying attention to them and it's workhorses all over Reddit right now. I don't know if you guys know, there's a thing that you can, it's called Memeberg terminal. Okay. It, it tracks the Reddit, um, wall street. It scrapes the Reddit, all the most degenerate, dirtiest Reddit communities. It Mm -hmm. scrapes the algorithm for, the tickers that you know these reddits are talking about what's, and what's it's, called, it's called memeberg terminal m e yeah memeberg terminal and um it Lundberg. scrapes all the filthiest ones you could ever imagine um why doesn't it have yeah so like right now workhorse is on there oh my god that's just gross yeah here it is I'm pulling it up right now. Sorry, guys. No Wall worries. Street bats. Yeah. So what do we got here? Yeah, workhorse is mentioned. Yeah, they it tracks the mentions. It's in the top ten mentioned on Reddit, and that's how I think people are getting these these next oh. short squeeze plays. They literally go on this website and they see what Wall Street bets is talking about, and then they go all in. You know, yeah. they borrow money from their grandma. They borrow money from their grandpa. They take their, you know, lunch money that they're supposed to be spending, you know, at school, and then they go all in. Oh. <laughs> um, you know, you, when you, you talk about kind of buying the dip, I'm curious. Uh, yeah. Are there? Because I, I personally have bought a couple companies. Um. Like where I thought it was going to be like, you know, catching the falling knife, kind of like they say. And I'm, I'm like on Seeking Alpha and I'm like, dude, I'm just buying more and just watching the red just get just yeah. to you, get more yeah, and more drastic. Are you trading, Jacob? Is that is that what I'm hearing? Uh, it's about deep value investing is, uh, is probably how <laughs> I would, what they how call I would it? characterize it. That's how I would characterize it. Um, is that but, what they call it on TikTok now? Deep value? Uh, is that I what it is? I wouldn't. I wouldn't know about the TikTok stuff. No, it's definitely called it's not, called deep. Not into that. It's called deep fucking value. That's what they call it on Reddit. There we go. There we go. <laughs> so uh, I um yeah there were just there was a company uh, Newell Brands. They make like Rubbermaid products. They own Rubbermaid products. Uh, Sharpies, I think. No, Post-it notes is 3M. Uh, there's some other uh, some other you know, like consumer goods products they own. Well, they had just gone through a merger and like two or three years ago and tanked hard. And I started reading about, like I got wind of it. I heard that Carl Icahn started buying stuff. So I started, I started buying, was definitely losing a lot of money for a long time. Pandemic hit, but it had a great dividend. It was paying out like a five and a half percent dividend or something. So I was like, hey, you know what? Let's just do it. So I, you know, put in some, you know, a decent chunk of change. And, uh, you know, the pandemic hit and it was like, okay, well, this is just kind of sad. 
But then, man, it, it took off like a rocket ship. And the thing is, oh, yeah. it's not anywhere near its peak valuation at the top of the merger. So that's one. I'm not saying I, I am not claiming to kind of like be an investment genius, but I'm just like wondering, like, what are some of these companies that are make more sense to, you know, whatever, buy the dip on or do a value trade on? In, in my point of view, it's probably like, you know, it crap times, right? Like they went through a big merger. Yeah things tanked like that would be that's another company that i wish i'd bought um it would have played out pretty nicely um but then the other company i bought was uh tanger outlets uh skt that that one apparently that one was apparently uh talked up talked about on reddit a while back and there was a little bit of a short squeeze that hit it but that's one that i own um it's doing it's doing well now, but I, I really own it more from like a dividend play standpoint. So if, we'll if, see what happens. But I don't know if like if there are there certain types of companies that you look at to like try and buy the dip or anything. Yeah, I thought I thought rates were still perfect because I still thought. So for example, I um I bought a couple of um retail rates that had exposure to AMC when that whole thing was going down. Oh, okay. I still thought there was value there that they didn't fully recover from their COVID highs. Um, and, yeah. I th- and I think the influx of cash at AMC got, I think, was going to benefit these REITs because, you know, yeah. some of these REITs, 20% of their tenancy goes to AMC. And AMC is now a tenant that has um, is more favorable to to make good on their rents, it, it seriously helps the valuations and, and helps the long-term value of these REITs. So that's what I thought for buying the dip. I don't know. Yeah, for me, when it comes to... Uh, um, no. no, all you, man. Yeah, go. Oh, okay. I was going to say, when it comes to buying the dip, it, um, you know, let's say, right, I, we can take the this year for an example, right? We had a really good run up at the beginning of the year. We were up maybe 20, 25%. Saw, you can call it what it is. It was a market crash uh, in that innovation space. So our strategy was down pretty significantly. So you have to take a step back, really look at it and say, okay, yeah, the stock's getting crushed, but do we still have the same conviction about it that we did at the beginning of the year? Right. Right. I, I think I say it every single time that I'm on this podcast, but everybody wants to be a growth investor. So their portfolio is down, right? Everybody wants to run up. Nobody wants to run down when it comes to growth uh, companies or even in that innovation space, same thing. Um, And so if you have cash on the sidelines and you see a company like that drop, do you double down? I know Aunt Kathy does, right? Yes, she does. She loves. Um, And so with that, it's just, do you believe in the product? Do they have a product? A lot of SPAC deals right now, it, it seems like they don't have a product. A, a really good example of that would be um, Lucid. Lucid. Even Virgin Galactic, man. Like, they're oh, saying yeah. they're going to. I don't know if y'all saw that, uh, the New York Times article on Shamath. They did like a bio on him. And he went and he was pitching Virgin Galactic, which he doesn't own any shares of anymore. But he went and he pitched it. He said, by 2021, we're going to have like 32 million in revenue. Things are going to be looking up. We're going to be sending people to space. Space tourism is going to be up. You know how much money they had in revenue last year? Zero. $200,000. They promised 32 million. 
So it's quite a myth. Were they selling were they selling Virgin Galactic T shirts or something? Is that is that like how do you get just two hundred thousand K revenue? They were dropping that merch. Is that just T shirt sales? It's like they obviously I think they did land a few government contracts. they might have a few patents or something like that. I didn't I didn't do a ton of research on it, but yeah, that that is the danger of investing in a SPAC because you can promise the world and get what that's less than one percent of the world. So even yeah. then, right? Um, Thirty-two million isn't a ton in revenue for a company that size and with that market. Oh, what's their what's our market cap right now? Um, I, uh, what whatever it is, like probably isn't justified uh, by their stock price. Yeah, let's see this Virgin Galactic market cap yeah. eight point four billion. Eight point four billion. Pretty high for something making two hundred k in revenue, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, um, I got about five more minutes before I have to wrap up. I hate to cut it a little. No, bit let's short. let's wrap up. Yeah. What, Anything else you want to cover? No. What What are you guys has? Guess, Michael. My big question is: Fed has really changed its pace. We all now, you know, we know rate hikes are coming sooner than we thought. Has your strategy t- changed from a fundamental standpoint? You, you know, your firms, or has your outlook on your portfolio changed? Are you doing anything yeah. different now? Um, I don't know if we, we spoke about this the last time. There are a few inflation plays that we, we have. We added a, a, a few oil companies, a few banks, because traditionally when inflation does happen, they hold up a little bit better. Uh, yeah. I have a gold position now, just uh, bought a, an ETF where it's very low cost, uh, tracks the, the price of gold, uh, which is which is fine with me. Um, but other than that, nothing nothing too major, right? We're, we like the companies that we're invested in and the innovation strategy. Um, we carry a little bit more cash now. Uh, we typically want to have anywhere from 5 to 15% cash at all times within the portfolio. That way, if something does come up and we want to go in, we're able to, we're able to purchase it. But... Uh, we're trying to be as efficient as possible when it comes to portfolio management. So, with wash sales, wash sale rules. Excuse me. We're making sure that we're not going in and out of, in and out of something um, too frequently. So, that's true. But yeah. The short answer is yes. We like banks. We like uh, some oil plays, but uh, overall, um, hopefully, the economy is going to recover as fast as. Uh, Jerome Powell says it's going to, and uh, which I'm thankful for, right? I want people, I want unemployment to be low. I want people to be back, uh, be able to do their thing. But um, it certainly does make it uh, make it more interesting on the markets. Yeah. What about you? Or what about y'all? Yeah. Well, I, I talked about mine, my real estate, single family REITs. But I'm curious, Jacob. We wrapped this one up. Is there anything you want to tell our listeners? What yeah. they should add to their watch list? Um, well, a stock that's done really well for me is, uh, Iron Mountain. Uh, oh, yeah. so they, uh, are like in data, data storage and file storage, um, have a very nice dividend. Um, fortunately I opened my, you know, I've had that position for quite a while now, so it's, it's taken off quite a bit, which is nice. Um, but you know, I, I'm not doing anything too different, you know, really where I do 
most of my investing that's I have control over is just in my uh, brokerage account. Everything else I kind of try and keep on automatic as much as possible. Right. I will say I am, you know, I mentioned a couple of the inflation plays just around consumer staples and uh, materials with, you know, just some exposure there. Um, I do see myself building up some cash, uh, mostly just because I think there may be a correction in the future. And also too, and Josh, this might be, this may be a whole nother episode. We can, maybe all three of us can reconvene on is just around where, where to put your cash, you know? So I've got some cash, but I also recognize that, Hey, I'm getting a 0.4% yield and a high yield savings account. And I'm, I'm trying to look into some things like uh, some corporate debt and maybe some bonds that are pretty stable. I do have a holding in one account um, that is, uh, let me just pull it up. Hang on. Uh, it's like iShares, zero to five year investment grade corporate debt. Yeah. SLQD is the ticker. And that's very, it's like a very stable um, fund that has, you know, I think, just below a 2% payout right now that pays out monthly. So I'm trying to find uh, or try and figure out what, like, you know, maybe once I get $10,000 in cash saved up, like where can I put, you know, any additional money I want to save into something that's going to get me a juice, a little bit more return there. So I don't know, maybe that's something else we can, yeah. we can talk about yeah, here like on, on another episode, but yeah. those are some of the things I'm trying to learn more about. Well, that's what about- I yeah. Last thing on uh, inflation, I actually presented on inflation today um, to a, a company who we run their 401k through and long term inflation, the average is about 3%. So uh, it might yeah. be a little scary right now, but long term, you know, if, if we can average 3%, uh, that's, we're going to be perfectly fine. Josh, what's yeah. the, uh, Josh, do you know the best hedge against inflation? Cash under the mattress, baby. No, I'm just fucking with you. I don't know. What what is it do? What is, what are you trying to ask me? I, what is oh, the best stocks? Stocks are the best hedge against inflation. S&P 500 fund. 100%. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like people think it, inflation is is a tricky one, right? Because there's a lot of stocks that have the pricing power. A lot of your value stocks have the pricing power too. They have it. Yeah. So yeah, I agree stocks are a, a good hedge. Wonderfully, not growth stocks. Very good. Yeah, not growth stocks. But well, that was wonderfully put. Diversified funds. <laughs> Diversified <laughs> funds. Well, gentlemen, this was yeah. a pleasure. Uh, we'll wrap this one up. Um, but uh, thanks for coming on, guys, and uh, hope you guys have a good one, you filthy animals. All right. See y'all. Great. Great talking to you. Talk see to you later. guys. Bye. Well, guys, as always, thanks for tuning in. Stay hungry. Keep grinding. I'll catch you on the next one. Peace. As always, you filthy animals. Thanks for tuning in. Stay hungry. Keep grinding. I'll catch you on the next one. Peace.